Welcome to the One Signal podcast, where we help companies build meaningful and lasting relationships with their clients with our industry leading customer messaging solution. I'm your host, Sasha Linkholtz, a content creator here at One Signal. And today I'm delighted to host Fawad Saidi, CEO at App Growth Network, which is one of our partners. Today, Fawad is here to discuss how mobile apps can supercharge their growth and retention through a holistic approach to lifecycle marketing. Welcome, Fawad. Hey, Sasha. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us today. Yeah, I appreciate you joining us today on the podcast. And before we get into the specifics of how companies can better retain and grow their audiences, why don't you start by telling me a bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure, Sasha. I mean, I've been in the app industry since 2012. It's a decade of experience in app marketing. Uh, probably to date, have touched 250 apps. And since I launched App Growth Network in 2018, we have worked with around 150 projects so far. So we are a full stack growth marketing agency headquartered in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, we have clients from all over the world, mainly focused in North America and focusing on acquisition and retention for mobile apps. That's super cool. So what's the most interesting app concept that you've encountered in your time working with these hundreds of apps? A shark locator app. Actually, could actually find the sharks in the ocean. Wow. I could actually see how that could be useful. I, I live in Santa Cruz, and so we have shark attacks here. And I know some surfers who would definitely hop on that app. Yeah, it's like for surfing community. And I've, t- I've told this story to a lot of people to break the ice and they're like, what? Yeah, I mean, they have a community of over half a million people on Facebook, surprisingly. It's crazy. I mean, there is an audience for it. I probably know some of those people. Yeah. So yeah, can you tell me a little bit more about how AGN serves mobile apps specifically? Um, what are the services that you provide? Yeah, AppGrow Network, we have a team of 25 people and staff here that they have different departments. So as I mentioned, acquisition and retention, when it comes to acquisition, we focus on organic, apps for optimization, creative services that support that, uh, paid user acquisition with Facebook, Apple, Google, Tier 1, and also DSPs and ad networks. And when it comes to retention, we use a lot of tools like ourselves, OneSignal, for um, engaging users with the app and also through analytics and data. So it's a full stack, full stack life cycle marketing approach. Anything from apps to impression, in, increasing, growing percentage of that to retention day 90, let's say, right? Yeah, totally. And uh, when it comes to understanding issues with retention, uh, what are some common reasons mobile apps come to you guys? Well, you know, a lot of times the early apps, they want to focus on just getting more downloads and users. And after all, they realize, well, it's a concept of leaky bucket, right? They have to constantly focus on acquisition retention issues. They usually don't have enough teams, benchmarks or solutions. They come to us because we've touched so many apps. We kind of have some benchmarks for their funnels and we can guide them through best practices. Is retention day 130 for an invoicing app healthy or not healthy, for example, right? So those are the, the data and insight, basically, that a lot of people are missing. So the members are specialized in the team, 
and their chances are they have worked with a project similar to what the clients are looking for. Yeah, I would imagine it takes a lot of specialized knowledge to really deliver all those services, um, given the scope of the types of apps you work with and their different stages as well. So, yeah, you give companies these tools and uh, strategies for better retaining and growing their audiences, which I'm assuming ultimately translates to monetization. And I was looking at retention statistics uh, in the mobile app industry, and you know they're pretty dismal. One in every four users is expected to return after first download. And you know, comparing retention and churn metrics across verticals, you can kind of see variety just depending on you know what type of app you're operating. But in general, on a high level, what strategic mistakes do companies tend to make around growth and retention? Yeah, I think some of those are the fact that they don't think about the entire intent and positioning from day one. Um, they feel like acquisition, retention, and growth are disconnected. Like, I'll acquire users now, I'll go figure out retention later in another phase. They maintain the right, maintaining basically the right ratio at the right pace is really important. We talked about the concept of leaky bucket, right? So if you turn on the tabs for acquisition so much and you don't have the infrastructure to support it, then you're going to eventually have like, you know, people losing, right? And you're going to be wasting the resources. Uh, so basically the right ratio, the concept of pulse, having the right healthy pulse is really important. And they don't segment as well. I think if they measure enough sometimes they have they measure too much they have too many events in the app that causes a bit of a chaos where they do it becomes analysis paralysis sometimes they don't have enough apps enough events my bad sorry if they have enough events in the app so measuring the right events and then segmenting users based on engagement based on resurrection based on activities so everything that the user can do with the insights we gain that we can actually segment and put retention marketing strategies in place. That's interesting. I haven't heard the analysis paralysis issue before uh, because usually I right. think that's a lack of data. So you're saying some companies will make the mistake of having too many events, too much data to the point where they, they're just confused. They're benchmarking everything. Yeah. I've seen companies come to us with like 1,000 events or 500 events and they didn't have a clear taxonomy document against that. So we didn't know, for example, if tutorial underscore completion or to like a tutorial, there was a tutorial, something, is it like completion? Is it like beginning the tutorial, right? Or sign up, sign underscore up, like the naming convention, all of that to be cleaned up. And yes, I mean, having more events is good, but also too much of it, it could create a bit of a chaos, right? Totally. That makes sense. Uh, so... What kind of steps do you recommend that companies take, uh, whether it's with you or independently, in devising their own growth and retention strategies? I think have milestones, Sasha, and go based on cohorts. So cohort analysis is really important. And obviously, they need to measure everything. So um, get a batch of users. So let's say 5,000 at a time. Depends on the stage of the app. It's for some early apps, 5,000 users is a lot, right? Whereas for some apps, they're talking about 50,000 or a million, right? 
So it really def- depends on the life cycle and stage of the app. So have that milestone in mind that we're going to get X thousand or X hundred thousand users in, in place. And then what are we going to do with them? If they are Facebook users versus Apple users versus Google versus DSP users, and are they going to behave the same? Probably not because the intent was different. Somebody who's searching the app store for it for a term, for a keyword, may have a different kind of need than somebody who we targeted on Facebook based on demographic. So think of retention in the acquisition or with the basis of where the acquisition comes from and then how to retain them is based on their need analysis, right? If they were searching for something, so serve that throughout the journey. And if the audience or we have audience that we on Facebook targeted based on who they are and what their needs are. How are we going to make sure that we deliver the message consistently throughout the journey? And obviously with retention, I think in today's world, we could connect all the data points together. So SMS, email, push notification, all of them need to be part of the holistic user journey. That's why tools like OneSignal are really, really helpful and handy, where you can actually reach out to people, with different messages, with different segmentation, and try to preempt churn ahead of time. So they have these days with AI and predictive modeling, you can predict churn and try to do your best to come up with offers, come up with and social proof reasons, get surveys in place to retain users. I see. So you see messaging as a key part of this experience of re-engagement and uh, churn prevention along all these touch points that companies can identify. I do. It's like any relationship, Sasha. Any relationship, communication is essential. And that's what we got to do. We don't forget that we've gained these users. Chances are that they're exploring a few products of similar to ours, maybe. So if somebody is exploring a dating app, chances are that they might be on another two or three. Or if they're using uh, testing a meditation app, they might be meditating with two or three at the same time to experiment. So why us compared to the other ones, right? To bit we are all about winning the user's attention. Yeah, definitely. We talk a lot about the best ways to communicate to audiences and how to kind of walk the line between being annoying versus, you know, messaging at the optimal frequency and re-engaging at those critical turn points um, a lot here at OneSignal. So when you're kind of looking at the overall user journey, in the efforts to retain users across their life cycle with your product. What kind of success factors or KPIs do you suggest mobile apps track? For me personally, I would look at pulse. We talked about ratio of gain over churn. That's really important to see the velocity for growth. And if it's under one, we really need to pay attention to that. Um, retention day 14, day 30, they're really important. When it comes to subscription apps, subscription ratios, right? So all those things are really critical if there's a subscription app. Um, 
M-A-U-D-A-U, obviously, this is really important to see the usage. I mean, there's KPIs and everything in the funnel, right? From app store impression to download, download to attention day one, everything in the funnel is critical, right? But I think a few of those that we mentioned are really success, really the most important success factors. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so here at OneSignal, as I've said, uh, we talk a lot about how companies in different verticals should be communicating with their audiences in different ways. And I was just curious from your experience, if you could give me some examples of how your growth and retention strategies and specifically messaging can re-engage and retain users in some different app categories that you're familiar with. Yeah, I mean, like for app growth, that's probably what some of our popular genres are health and fitness. So it's really important for health and fitness apps to maintain healthy subscription ratios. So, I mean, there's, for example, studies by Calm that you have to have, gets like, you have to do seven meditations in the first seven days after a user just started downloading the app. So every day you get one meditation. So that's where habit formation comes in, right? So in terms of messaging and re-engaging, how do, you, how do I make sure that the user every day logs in for it for a day? Do I give them badges? Do I give them status rewards? Do I let them know that they are part of a social community of other people? Do I let them know that their friend is also joined so they're not alone, right? There's a lot of psychological kind of messaging here that could be used. Um, fintech is another good genre for us. Again, it depends on the app. Like if they're an invoicing app, don't expect people to be logged into the app every day. As long as they're twice a week involved, they're checking their invoices on the go and they're using it, the means they're engaged, you're on the right track. So your subscription ratios are going to be healthy, right? Um, I think these days there's a lot of wealth management apps, crypto apps, people are taking a look at like stocks, there's volatile market. Um, so again, uh, the positive tone of how people can be aware and be alert and they can look at their wealth overall in a periodic kind of systematic approach. Um, again, there's custom segmentation for each of them. I think looking at the critical event of the app, the objective of the app, and how often, how frequent, and we go build that. It's really the art of copywriting at some point. How you can be creative and clever with it and A-B test to see what opens up. So we've seen like sometimes 2x, 3x better open rate for some outside-the-box thinking messaging. Yeah, what, what are some examples of copywriting techniques that, that you've seen work? I'm just curious because I'm a copywriter and I'm always yeah. to make my writing more compelling. I remember, for example, for a dating app, once we started sending pina coladas versus, <laughs> I forgot what the other one was, like a smoothie or something like that. And that got 4x more open rate compared to, hey, somebody like, here's open your dating app, there's a match waiting for you, right? So really, like, who is the question mark of pina coladas versus smoothie, right? Um, so I mean, in terms of copywriting, you want to be catchy, right? If you can do rich notifications, that is good, right? Usages of creatives, so people can actually like, because, you know, there's on your phone, you have probably like four or five notifications at any given time, right? Somebody's texting you as WhatsApp, there is your calendar, there is a weather, whatever thing, alert. So if there's a message, really, like in between those, you want something that is standing out, Right. Use how use the 
time like special events, time of the year. If there's a holiday coming up, have you planned for that, right? Ahead of time. So in terms of copywriting, there's a lot of ways to can gain their attention. And I like what you said about hooking users through behaviors. And I'm curious, like, if you could circle back and give me another example from your experience of those kind of psychological tactics that you've seen work, really hooking users into it. Yeah, yeah it's a good question. So a while ago, I was doing some research on CoinMaster, for example. It's the slot game targeting certain the demographic, a lot of women using the app, for example. So the fact that they have a pet that you need to every day here and the nurture. So that's really very, very clever. And then every couple of hours, you get a message that your pet is hungry. You know, you got to take care of your pet. And if you're targeting moms, the mom market, guess what? Moms are used to taking care of children, right? So literally, it grabs their attention that like, well, I got to nurture my pet in this situation. And you go and you just engage with the app, right? So clever product design, but also clever targeting and messaging, right? And you psychologically feel like, okay, God, my pet is hungry. You're thirsty. I got to go do some <laughs> slots there to do that, right? Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Targeting a demographic or an audience that you know has this really strong habit loop already around right. uh, nurture and care and will right. you know their interest is going to be piqued by by that type of re-engagement messaging that's a really interesting example for sure yeah. yeah so did we discuss using push notifications in uh, within a matching model i know we've covered a little bit about dating apps yeah so obviously matchmaking is an interesting genre and that matchmaking is for any form of, you know, A and B connecting. So we have, for example, clients that they connect job seekers with the employers. That is a form of matchmaking. Dating is obviously a use case for that, right? So I think given time, they are really like alert with the fact that people are in an immediate need to find something. So whether it's some job seekers looking for a job or a couple trying to find each other. So time of the day, right? So certain times there is obviously more demand. People are, you know, swiping for job seekers. Obviously there is a hot job in the market. Try to explore your options out there. Really like this is the model of connecting the dots and they use geolocation, people within your neighborhood. And um, they sometimes use rich notification that, you know, this person is waiting for you or this job is waiting for you, right? And yeah, there's an also an urgency that this is going to finish. This is going to get like filled up. Somebody's going to be no longer around. So all those things are elements to be used for like matching model. And obviously those apps, they usually thrive winning on a radius and they go dominate another radius. So it's radius kind of marketing based on a location that is really critical to concur such apps. Got it, right. It's all based on location. So it would make sense. Uh, so yeah, so in, in these examples, how can companies be sure that their messaging is working? Yeah, I think they need to 
sit down and map out a good content calendar and they send enough in the right frequency to have statistical significance. So if I do send 1,000 notifications, I may or may not have enough significance to say this kind was a winner. So A-B testing is really critical. So using one signal, it gives you that option. It's like any other form of engagement, like email marketing. So then you will get a benchmark that there's a lot of insights out there. You have some, you guys have some, there's white papers about best practices and the open rate of this push notification should be certain percentages. And if they're not, if they're, let's say, anything under like two, three percent, sometimes there's going to be some issues. So you're going to work on that, right? to improve their push notification open rate. And it's not only about open rate. Open rate, the goal of the message is to open, right? To get a tap, that's it. But then we got to look beyond that to see if they commit to an action, they subscribe to a newsletter, we ask them, did they sign up for a demo? Did they purchase something? So all of those things could be a desired action, but then also beyond that, but was that transactional or not? So some not every message is a push offer, is it? Yeah. I mean, we talk about marketing and transactional messaging and, and both play a role in the user life cycle. It also really depends, as you said, on the industry. So for a lot of apps, like I think you mentioned fintech, a lot of apps in the finance space would probably be sending more transactional messages to kind of keep users re-engaged, whereas, you know, a gaming app might send more marketing type messages. So I think, as you said, it it really depends on the industry, what's considered tasteful, right? Well, for gaming, there's a lot of microtransactions. Actually, you want you to buy gems and coins and open a pack. So it can be, depends on the kind of game as well, could be very more transactional, right? We talked about, for example, dating that is also transactional. They want you to purchase a quick, this like I said, like a Friday night package that is popular and you get like extra swipes or whatever, right? It's very, trans- very transactional that level too, right? Health and fitness, they try to get in front of you sometime of the year. Obviously, like January is really peak time. Just start from like November, December, sending a lot of push offers. And December, January, really like they try to get most of their acquisition or subscription because it's the peak time. So if you can put an offer in front of somebody, don't be shy, but be clever with those pop-ups, the design of the offers, the color even. Like you can put an X color that is white on a blue screen and nobody sees the X, which is totally legitimate. And some people like psychologically just give them an offer saying that the dynamic pricing strategy, instead of $79.99, we are now $59.99. If you get it annually, you get like, you know, a better deal. And a lot of people will just opt into that, right? So if all those elements are well played, then you get a better subscription ratio, right? And you can do dynamic pricing. There's a lot of strategies around that. And see what competitors are doing in the marketplace. So they're going to be clever with the timing and all that. Totally. Um, and actually with OneSignal, we we have integrations with RevenueCat actually that does subscription event tracking. And so we actually are pretty familiar with the role that push notifications can play in uh, subscription retention. And we think that's a really important topic as well. 
So I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add, like from your perspective to kind of finish this out, just in terms of the holistic user journey and the user life cycle, how apps can really set themselves up for success? I think, Sasha, I love this community. I've been in this community long enough and mentioned we have partnerships with a lot of great companies like yourself, like Revenue Cat, with you know, a lot of other companies that they they're in the engagement, in the acquisition. Um, get it, get to as many community groups, Slack channels that you can. And sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel for coming up with hypotheses, but please do come up with 10 hypotheses a quarter. And that's easy. You know, basically that comes to three, four a month. But execute on that lifecycle. That could be your product page listing in the App Store, which is the feature that was released in January. And a lot of people are or not doing that. But if you are not doing that, A-B test your App Store listing page because that's where the value prop starts and you attract people, right? Because you got to live deal with these people throughout the journey. The App Store reviews and nurturing, so might as well... A, B test that to get the right audience and users to the door, right? And then have at least one hypothesis around acquisition around that. Have one hypothesis around your creatives, right? About your onboarding. Have a hypothesis about, about your subscription or your revenue growth or whatever that is with engagement every month. And use tools efficiently. There's free tools out there which had to have limitations, like in a lot of, we deal with some lot of developers like, well, I don't want to pay for a tool. Firebase is enough. I thought, so, well, Firebase is just a, a basic tool that gives you, gets you, but there's other tools out there, like one signal that they give you beyond that. So you leverage the tools, put your hypotheses to action. Um, don't be shy to get help from people in the community. There's people that they're, they're offering those services or those discussions for free all day long and they learn from each other, right? And if not, do get in touch with people like us. You know, we, we are involved with the community and we and we try it so much and, and we don't obviously win on everything, right? But we gain experiments from what not to do sometimes. So, but have that 10 hypotheses a month in place and ex- execute on that because guess what? You're going to fail on eight. You're going to win two. And that's all you need to win every quarter. That's like almost six, seven, eight a year. That affects your entire funnel. And that's the difference between winners out there, apps that they are in the top of the food chain and their apps that they're just, they're staggering and they're not growing because they're not testing enough. Totally, it's all based in that routine testing throughout the life cycle. And I think that's a really important takeaway for this episode. So thank you again for coming on and please come back. Uh, We love our partners at AGN and uh, we love continuing our relationship with you over there. So we appreciate you participating. Thanks, Sasha. Yeah, thanks for having us. And we'll be in New York next month for Apple Summit. I know you guys are there as well. Excited to meet you in person with a few people there. So if someone is listening to it and they're in that region, stop by. Yeah. It'll be great to see you. We'll see you there. Yeah. Take care. Take care.